All right, hello everybody. Welcome to our Drexel basketball podcast. I'm Nate. We have Dan here. Eric's here too. Uh, so we'll spend most of our time talking about the games that went down this week. So and make sure I get the scores right. So uh, on Thursday night, Drexel blew out Elon 77-49, uh, and then turned around, unfortunately, on Saturday and lost to William and Mary 83-75. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll cover that first. Um, I'll touch, too. I, I just got home or a little behind. So you won't know, but we're a little behind schedule. Um, went to the women's game. Big win today for them. Um, but uh, our ride home, I think, uh, you know, we – one of those deals where we uh, we're doing really well, and I, I made the the, the jinx. I, I we said a couple weeks ago. I said there weren't many injuries in the men's program, and then sure enough, we had a game with a whole bunch of injuries. And I made the mistake of telling Melissa as we were getting on the turnpike, uh, really had no problems on the school kill in or out. And I said, boy, we haven't really had any traffic issues. And sure enough, I think we we got past uh, Pottstown, and then it started snowing. And then there was an accident, like you guys said, on Morgantown. And then so did great. You know, Waze took us another way. Uh, but then when I got back on the turnpike at 222, I went the wrong way in the turnpike. So basically was faced with having to take our detour again. Um, but then I guess Waze took pity on me and took me 10 south. And then we ended up kind of going through Lancaster and, and coming up 283. So at least it didn't torture me by going the same way uh, the second time. But that added about an hour onto our trip. So um, so it was fun, but now the kids are getting some uh, road stories and it worked out for them. There was, I had to pee. Yeah, of course, the other days you got to pee really bad and finally stopped and it happened to be McDonald's. So everybody got uh, McFlurries out of the deal so they get worked out. But, um, but either way, um, they're getting some road trip stories. So here we are finally. And um, we'll talk about the men's team first, like I was, uh, like I was saying. So uh, Thursday night, Again, big blowout win. So, uh, what do you guys think about about that game and how things went down? Yeah, I mean, pretty good. I think things went pretty good. Um, I mean, they, they, that game was a no contest basically from start to finish. There was a little lull in the middle, but um, you know, Drexel obviously shot extremely well. I think it was a 60 percent from three, uh, and then Elon. You know, they they limited importantly. Elon is such a live by three, die by three program a little bit right now that I don't put a ton of credit when people stop them defensively because, you know, a bad shooting night is stopping them defensively. But they actually did keep Elon to a lesser number of threes, uh, especially in the first half before they were desperate. So um, I'm pretty sure the fact that the defensive effort actually was pretty good as well. So um, not a whole lot to talk about there because it was such, such an open and shut slam of a game for me, but um, really well executed in all ends of the court by the Dragons and, and you know, um, a game, by the way, a game I was worried about going in. Elon's not a bad team. They just come off of like a, I don't know, like a twenty-point win over JMU or something. Mm-hmm. They, they're not bad. Um, haven't had the result they wanted this year, but I was worried about this one going in. Um, on what looked like a soft weekend, I was worried that we would fall asleep on the wheel a little bit. Clearly, I was worried about the wrong game. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but Elon, uh, I was very, very pleased with with the performance there. I don't know what you thought, Eric. Yeah, Elon actually gave Delaware a scare. Uh, yesterday and Saturday. I think they lost by three points in that one. So, yeah, Elon just, yeah, like you said, they live and die by the three, and the, the turnovers just killed them in 19 turnovers. Unless the other team has 19 turnovers, you're not going to win too many games. But, you know, it's kind of nice to see a 28-point win. I know a lot of people would rather see something competitive, as would I. But you know what? I sat there back on the couch watching that game. I was like, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is like there's no pressure. Seeing a bunch of guys contribute, uh, we really were showing our depth in that game. Uh, Amari, you know, continues to impress. Uh, so he's, you know, he's showing his offensive skills. It was a complete, every every time he was out there was a mismatch. So just definitely enjoyed that game, uh, and I would have enjoyed that a lot more if they played like that when I did go to the game yesterday. Uh, but of course, with homecoming, we'll get into that. Uh, unfortunately, the fans were treated to a to a nice blowout. I did think Michael Graham for uh, Elon surprised me. I mean, he jumped off the page, and I think he ended up with something like 17 rebounds. Um, yep. You know, that, he looks like a player. Uh, he's a sophomore for them. And, they, again, it's basically all underclassmen besides Chuck Hanna. So you're looking at McIntosh is still only a junior. Woods, those guys, you know, they're, they're starting to win the awards for guys in the league who feel like they'll have been there eight years by the time they graduate. Uh, so so they, they, you know, they'll, they'll, I still believe in the program. I'm going to probably go to my grave saying this at this point, but I think Shraggy's a good coach, and, 
they have some real good young players that will give us, give us some problems in the years to come. Yeah, Peter Graham was just indicative. Uh, even though they had such a big win, he had 17 rebounds, 14 points, 7-9 from the field, and they were mostly dunks, put-back dunks. So even though we won, uh, Drexel won by a lot, it was just indicative of how soft Drexel's could be inside, which came back to haunt them in the next game. Yeah, I think, I mean, did you feel, and, and yeah, you're, I'm trying not to lead too much in, but, I mean, did you feel like we could have done more to keep him off the glass, or was it one of those, like, hey, he's a good player, he's going to get his? I mean, what do you think about that? That sounds about right. Uh, he's going to get his points. Um, yeah, they didn't really have an answer for him, but when you were up by so many points, you tend to overlook that. Mm-hmm. He was aggressive. He's 6'8", and he moves well. I think he's a, he's a solid player. I really looked at the season line, but it didn't look like he was doing anything crazy out there, put it that way. It didn't look like he was playing over his head or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you look through, I mean, it was a game, I think we all, you know, thought we could potentially play him. You know, we had, what, you know, four guys in double figures, three guys over 15 points. So, and then like the shooting, I mean, we were, you know, we, we talked, I mean, in a sense, in some ways, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten to where we live and die a little bit by the three. We were 60% and then they were only 27%. So um, just, yeah, every one of those games just got away from them. And I think, uh, you know, a few of us, and Dan, I agree with you at, at halftime, you're like, you feel like things may even out in the second half, but now it's the opposite. We just, we put the hammer down and pulled away. So. Yeah, anytime that happens, I think those first five minutes of the second half are really indicative. And after the first five minutes of the second half of this one, you could have turned the TV off. You knew where this was going. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess it, to transition over, did you, you think in any way as easy as that was, do you think that had an effect on Saturday? When I think I, I'm with you guys, I, I guess I, if I was going to pick an easier game, I would have said Saturday. And I thought, I, I mean, I, I expected both games to be close to the way the league is. Um, but thought Thursday would be the tougher game. Um, but do you think we took some bad habits into Saturday there? Definitely I think – go ahead, Eric. Oh, sorry. Definitely a little bit of overconfidence. Definitely, I think, when you come off a big win. I mean, Drexel just hasn't – you know, they, they've definitely beaten the teams they're supposed to, but, uh, you know, the games are st- still somewhat unpredictable. Um, I thought the line, the line was like 15 points in that game. I was like, this, something doesn't seem right here. Wow. I just don't see Drexel putting two 28-point, well, 15-point wins back-to-back together. They haven't shown that they can sustain that kind of uh, that kind of offense. Yeah, I think any time, and I'd have to look back, I haven't, at Zach's record, uh, Spiker's record. There's, you can pick your sports team. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of coaches that kind of run this way um, where you have a team coming off a blowout win. They're usually ripe for a soft spot to follow. The CAA's got this Thursday-Saturday schedule. You only got two days between games. That really, you know, can – the impact of that first game is meaningful for the second game, I think, almost always, which is interesting here because usually with these tight road turnarounds, something I do want to talk about for a second, you know, the road team tends to struggle in the league on Saturdays. You, you, you got the Thursday, you got the quick turnaround – I think one of the big disadvantages that may be changing, you know, if, if depending on how everything slides in with Mammoth and the various realignment scenarios that we talked about uh, middle of the week this week, but if Drexel ends up with a different travel partner than Delaware, you know, I think right now Drexel Delaware is probably the trip. If you're any other school in the conference, you most enjoy because you stay in the same hotel. You probably, maybe they move hotels, but it's 30 minutes apart. They don't need to. And it's kind of a soft weekend. You know, it's when we go to Northeastern, they play at Northeastern, then they got a four-hour drive to Hempstead. Then they come home. That's a bear. If you go to Towson, you go to JMU after. You know, all this, this is real travel between games. With Drexel Delaware, you don't have that. So William Murray goes to Delaware. They probably don't really have to do much after that game. They go back, they get the recovery, and they don't have to worry about packing up the hotel, getting on the bus, getting into a new hotel, unloading, all that other stuff that goes with it. It's just a little bit easier for the Thursday, Saturday for the road crowd, for the road teams. Not an excuse for anything. It's just if mom is the travel partner, that stopped existing a little bit. So I think it's an interesting piece for, for potentially next year. Uh, but, yeah, I think Drexel felt the Thursday game very much as far as uh, um, the blowout win, as far as the, the Saturday game went. I also think that, Eric, you made an interesting comment about live by the three, die by the three. This team's not supposed to be that. And, you know, it, it looks like it is right now. Uh, Shane Metlin at James Madison – uh, sorry, he doesn't work for James Madison, just seems so at times. But the reporter for the um, whatever it is in Harrisonburg, he noted that he didn't 
pick the Dragons high in the preseason poll this year because they shot so well late in the season last year from three, and he didn't think that that was something they could recreate again. And they lost Bickerstaff, and that was his reasons for – I think he voted as probably fourth or fifth, something like that. Um, I disagreed with it. A, this is a good three-point shooting team. Generally, it should be. But B, it's more dynamic than that. Um, yes, we do get open threes on our offense, and yes, because they're open, they're shot at high level. I don't know. You know, this is the biggest difference between Bruiser and Zach Spiker, right? Shot selection is massively improved. I don't remember us taking more than a handful of bad shots a game, really, under, under Zach Spiker for the last couple of years. So we're getting good looks consistently, and that will lead to better shooting percentages. So, But you do, I think when you shoot 60% from three, you're ripe to take a lot more the next game, right? It's the same as anything else. You, you, you've always had the player, especially on a Bruce team, right? The player, you, you don't really want shooting threes. Goes out there, hits a three early, and wants to shoot threes for the rest of the game, and we're, we're all sitting in the stands going, no, 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 no. This team doesn't have that, but Zach Spikers made a comment in the postgame yesterday about we took we took what the defense gave, and that resulted in them taking a lot of threes because the defense was giving up threes. I have a beef with Zach Spiker there um, because I think that's the 304th ranked defense in the country. They give you anything. <laughs> they can give yeah. you You can get anything against them. You are better than them. You are more athletic than them. You are more talented than them. Well, the only thing I will you say, yeah, they're easy. Yeah, and I want to kind of, I, I, I want to make sure because I started out saying, what did we not carry over? But I do give William and Mary a lot of credit. I mean, I know, and you look at the standings right now; they are three and three, and I know overall the record, what they only have like four or five wins. But I mean, they, 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 you know, and, and Eric, you, we were sitting together. I thought they played with a lot of energy, a lot of emotion right out of the gate. So I know whatever their numbers showed. Um, you do want to give them credit, but, but yeah, in a sense, I, and then I, I'm just looking, you know, so not only are we coming off a game where we shot the ball really well against Elon, but then we were up 17, 10, um, with 12, 20 to go in, in the, in the first half. So then we carried it over and I almost thought we just said, okay, this could be easy. We're just going to get whatever three and whatever shot we want. And then when it got hard, uh, we didn't know what to do. That was my impression. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, they came right out of the gates. They took a right to, to Mari. Which I was kind of surprised, but other than that, there's really no threats underneath. Uh, you look at look at the statistics here. Uh, William and Mary took 33 shots in the game, only eight from three. 25 shots from two. Mm-hmm. Drexel 18 from three and 13 from two. So you know, there's a reason for that. <laughs> who's going to win the game if they're shooting all those two pointers? There's a reason they're not shooting threes because they didn't need to. Those two that up. Uh, a lot of easy buckets. Hard fought ones. I was actually, I was kind of impressed with Ben White. Yeah. Uh, skinny guy. I, I look at first, first time I can look at a player and go, mm, you know, without knowing nothing, knowing nothing about him, thinking, oh, this guy's going to get handled. But no, he, he, he's pretty tough. He's pretty athletic. Uh, he gave Drexel fits yesterday 21 points, 11 rebounds. Yeah. You, you can't let Ben White have 11 rebounds. Right? Yeah. Well, him and Connor Cochera, right? I mean, yeah. Ben White's listed 6'9, 205. Cochera's 6'5, 200. These guys haven't spent that much time in the weight room yet. Correct. Uh, they don't look that physically intimidating out there, and they were winning. They were winning their battles. Yeah, and uh, you know JB, unfortunately, you know he's still coming off injury. He only had uh, he, he had limited minutes, only had three rebounds. Not the same JB out there, unfortunately. And uh, you know that's the one thing you usually when he, even if he's not healthy, you usually can count on him getting rebounds because you can always stay back and stay around the rim, but. You know, he couldn't stop anything coming in, and uh, there were no rebounds to have because they weren't missing. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to play. You know, he didn't play on Thursday. It's only two days later. What's the incentive versus giving him five for the next game? I think maybe they were trying to get his feet wet a little bit. You know, maybe he got the clearance from medical staff, and they were going to get him right in because, listen, he's an all-CA-level performer. But he wasn't ready. I think we can all, you know, be agreed on that. It was pretty much unanimous around the fan base coming out of that game. He was not ready to play in that game. And uh, that was an unfortunate result. I don't know that you wanted Malik Martin playing the five when Amari was in foul trouble. You know, you had to have somebody out there. So it was a bad JB, you know, not a bad, but an injured JB who's not ready yet. Better than Malik Martin at the five out of position. Ultimately, that's why I don't have the coach, right? That they made that call. But it doesn't feel like it worked out great. And, and what I was saying, it, it's a carryover too from the Elon game. And I, I know Amari's been terrific. I mean, don't get me wrong, but... You know, I, I mean, Graham ate our lunch, you know, in that game. And we forgot about it because we were winning by so much. But, you know, I, I just, it, and Eric, like you said, it was almost like I 
it's football day. You know, I thought William and Mary came out, we're going to run it down their throat and White did what he wanted. And I felt like, you know, in a sense too, even against Elon, you'd like to see Amari kind of say, I'm not letting that guy get any more rebounds. Like I, I'm finding that guy, I'm boxing him out. I'm keeping him off the glass. And, you know, I turned around then on Saturday and he felt like, felt like he, uh, William and Mary thought they could pound us inside and they did. So that's something, a lesson learned hopefully for Amari we talk about that toughness factor for our team too. It's like taking some of that, that stuff personal. And it wasn't until the second half, I felt like we really, and our, Amari really stepped up and was a defensive player that he could be. Yeah. Maybe stereotyping yeah. a little bit, but he, the guy, the guy is English. He looks kind of polite at times out there on the floor, on the floor. He uh, does. He, he has, he has ability. And I think he's got that toughness and he's going to, I think he's going to have to learn it because he probably didn't face it back in uh, the Academy where he played. Yeah. You guys are, are walking me right to where I want to where I want to be walked to. So thank you. <laughs> Two things: um, Amari Williams, uh, top sixty in the country right now as far as per uh, per minute percentages, offensive rebound percentage, defensive rebound percentage. So the top 60, 60 in the country. That's pretty darn good. Three hundred sixty teams. That's, there's two forwards on each team, 720 people out there. You're in the top 60. You're elite. You're in the top 10%. He's that way as a sophomore. We keep complaining about him being soft on the boards. He's top 10% nationally in his first year starting, uh, and he really wasn't even meant to be a starter here. So I think maybe, maybe spoiled by how good he's been. Uh, number one in the conference right now, block percentage with a Chaz Crawford, 11.4% in conference play. It was 10.8% overall for the season. The, the the stats jump off the page right now. He's he's been as good as we think he's been. Uh, not most notably defensively, obviously he still needs to work on the free throw shooting a little bit. Uh, can still work on positioning strength. There's room to improve. He's raw, but his raw he, raw Amari is off the page good. So it will be interesting to see. I think that's a great conversation too. Is him versus JB? How would you like to see things? I think you're going to see a lot of offensive defensive maneuvering down the stretch in games where JB's maybe in on offensive possessions. And Amari's in the defensive possessions, you know, late in game stuff like that, because JB's the better free throw shooter, especially in end game stuff like that. But I think how they break up those minutes is going to be really interesting to see, notably coming out of this game. But what I wanted to talk about, what I really wanted to talk about that you guys walked me to right there is yes. Uh, when you think about Amari Williams, when you think about James Butler, when you think about Xavier Bell, when you think about Cam Winter, when you think about most of this roster, they're nice kids, like. You know, Zach Spiker said he wanted to change the culture here, and this was part of that. He's created a winning culture. They've got they got a trophy from last year, but he's also changed the locker room culture to an extent. Uh, I got to tell you, I put out this tweet during the Hofstra game about Xavier Bell, and uh, it was something stupid. It was the Liberty Bell is no longer the most trending Bell in Philadelphia, and with a picture of Xavier Bell, right? Because he was just going off the chain in that game. And I think his dad or something retweeted yeah. it. Yeah. And it's got a like from like everybody in Andover, Kansas. Like the whole town liked, liked this tweet. I've never seen anything. It was just jumping off the page all night long. My phone was just lighting up. And like this kid's loved. Um, and you can tell he's, he's, he's left an impression on those he's worked with and played with in the past and clearly a special individual. So you have kids like that there and they're polite kids and they're good kids. And you're right. There's not a lot of edge on this team. So, so what do you do? Because you kind of got – you have leaders. Cam and JB are your leaders, right? And they're hard workers and they're winners and they're successful. So you don't want to mess with that. You don't want to go in there and tell them, hey, you know, you, you're, not, you're not doing this. And Zach Spiker's, I think, a guy who really wants to work constructively. We always talk about him waiting too long to take the time out because he doesn't want to take – he never wants to take a negative timeout. He likes taking positive timeouts. So he like, wants to take it off a made basket, something like that. He really wants to build this constructive culture. So how do you go up to – people who are all CA caliber players constructively and say, Hey, I need you to be nastier out there. It's tough to do. And I think when I look at cam particular and the second halves he's had this year that have been really strong and he's had some first halves that haven't been as strong once he got going you know, or in the season, he was kind of struggling overall, but you look, especially at William Mary yesterday, you know, he, you know, the team wasn't great in the first half kind of once it got desperate, right? We started fighting. But you, you need them to fight if you want to be at the higher level here from the get-go. I guess, so yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, two points on that. One is, you know, I, I guess I, I'm a little bit of a believer that a team takes on the personality of its coach. And again, it's hard to criticize this. I totally agree with you. But it's like, and I, you know what? I, I, it's just you think back to just 
how hard this team was to watch under Bruiser Flint and like the tension you felt and the stress you felt. I know we don't want to talk about him, but but that's why I enjoy watching this team in this program. But I, I've said, I think I said to my wife coming home last night, I, once in a while you love to see Spiker just lay into somebody and, and it's, it's, it, you know, it's okay to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like, but maybe I don't want to see that, but, but basically I do think, you know, I, I think it starts at that and, and I like the positive vibe, but every now and then, yeah, we got to figure out a way to get people to, um, to have a little edge, like you said. And I do think, you know, and the, the comeback in, in the Delaware game, the same thing. I mean, you mentioned Bell and then Malik Martin, I think is another player who, for me, you know, plays with a little bit more of an edge. So, you know, I, you like to see that rub off on some of these other kids. I think there's still time for that to happen, but, um, but no, that's exactly what I'm thinking. You just, you love that they're nice, but yeah, it's every now and then you got to see a little desperation uh, out of us um, and not in the second half when we're down by 20 points when zero zero and you're getting right out of the gate. So we don't let teams hang around. So. So that's where I'm going is is you've got nine players who played yesterday and all of them are, are players worthy of playing, right? I mean, Tate Yurik's probably the ninth guy off the bench and he's actually impressed this year, by the way, in limited minutes. To me, in my eyes, Dan. I think he's, he's let a spark and he's gotten on the floor it's and like he's had some toughness. Frozen in time there. Yeah. And uh, then he runs this whole thing. Pausing. Hang on. So hopefully he'll reconnect. We lost Dan here for a second. Hopefully that'll get figured out. But, um, but I, Eric, what do you think about this whole thing? Just the whole the whole program so far this year. Yeah, I mean, you see the same thing. You feel like, like needing that little bit of uh, that toughness yeah. factor, the edge. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I don't want to mistake it for not trying hard or not caring. Definitely not the case. But uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit, a little bit of that's ingrained in, in your DNA. Uh, you need a little bit of that toughness. But I, I don't know. It could also be that the coach isn't really. I don't know if speaking out of school here, but does the coach really preach that enough? Does he, you know, try to get them, get on them, get that ball, you know, you know, commit, you know, go, go hard, commit a foul if you have to, but don't let them score. I don't know if that's going on or not, but definitely this defense, you know, they have athleticism where you got athleticism. You could teach defense and uh, we haven't seen that yet. But I think too, that's part of where it shows up for me too. Like I, I've been thinking about it. We, we talked a lot at the about the Hofstra game about mid range jump shots, and I feel like I feel like we close out on shooters, but we don't like close out on shooters. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Like, and I'm not saying you know I don't want to see us run a guy over and put a guy in a foul line with a stupid foul, but um, I mean, there's definitely situations where it's you know it's just again, it, yeah, just that. Yeah, and it, it's hard to put it into words, I guess. But um, and I, I'm thinking the other thing too is it's it's a in a more you know broader sense, it's hard in life to know. Like I'm talking about Spiker. Like when do you lay into somebody? When do you play nice guy? It's like parenting. Like when you when you know. And I know he's. I was thinking about this too. We've had a couple of challenging players in our program that I think he's had to walk a line where you know he could have had them walk out the door, but he needed their scoring. Um, so you know, but you hope he hasn't totally sacrificed being himself and not being afraid to you know light somebody up if they need it. So. All right, so we figured out our technical difficulties and, and Dan's back. So, yeah, just continuing the conversation again, you know, and I guess last comment I made is, yeah, when do you know when to get on somebody and when not to? It's like parenting. It's a hard time to figure out. We're all figuring that out in our lives and same deal with Coach Spiker. But, but anyway, Dan, what else did you kind of want to throw out there about this whole topic? Yeah, they had nine guys play yesterday. And like I say, let's say Yurik, who's, who's very playable, was probably the last off the bench. I guess you can make an argument about Travian Brown and Lamar Odin's playing time at this point. But all those guys are worthy of being on the floor, right? There's nobody out there who's, and I won't disparage prior players, but nobody who cr you cringe when they take the floor right now, right? Um, <laughs> and when you get Matei Okros back, and, and by the way, I'm here in like two to four weeks on that. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, that's in the middle of the season, that's a big gap and a big difference. So we'll see how that looks. And that also affects your decision to take 27 threes or whatever it was. Um, but when you have, when he comes back, you have 10 guys and you're, you're, you're missing edge and you're not the best defensive team I've ever seen in your life. Right. I'm not saying you do this against everybody. And you probably don't want to do this against like a Hofstra, but the press looked pretty good at the end of that game. Didn't it? Yep. And if I'm trying to like light a fire under my guys without actually like getting in their face, why not get them out there, get running? It worked out. They were really good running at Northeastern, short-handed. You know, you, you, you run a press, you, you seem a little short-handed because you got to sub more often. 
and everything else. It, it creates a sense of urgency, all that stuff. I'm not a basketball coach, and Spiker and his staff are going to know better than I am whether to do it or not, and they've never shown a desire to do it, but they never had the depth to do it either. So I would say right now, I mean, that's what I really want to say. Again, certain opponents, Towson, by the way, coming up, shaky point guard spot for Towson. Northeastern, when you see him again, they don't have a point guard. But there's teams in this league. You can avoid letdowns with the press, I think. I'd love to see a VCU style. It doesn't have to be that hard, but go after him against some of the teams in this league at the very least. Delaware, I think you can do it. I think Kevin Anderson's weak. Um, so, you know, I that's the one. you got to find a, find a way to push these guys without physically pushing them, right? And I think that's what we're talking about a little bit with, with Nate. I missed the parenting conversation, but I think that's what we're talking about. How do we nudge these guys without actually getting right really in the face? And, and that's what I would use. That's, that's what I really want to see out of them because they have the depth and the talent to do it. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, because I, I, that's what I was trying to stop sort of. I don't advocate publicly under what they say, like praise in public, criticize in private or something like that. So, um, but, but no, and, and, and we'll talk with the women's team too. You know, I, I, you know, there, there have been times where I felt like some of Spiker could make, could, could make the difference. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, that we Princeton, I always go back to that game because I feel like that was a really winnable game against a pretty good team. And, you know, they doubled Amari and Butler the whole game and we could never do anything to it. We never adjusted to it. We never figured it out. And they just kept doing the same thing. And, you know, so, so yeah, that's a good point. That's another way to, you know, motivate people. And I think I mentioned to you, Eric, I was like, man, if we can get under, under 10 by, you know, the eight minute mark, we got a chance here. I think we were down to eight and you're almost like, you know, you're kind of like, why would we press them earlier? You know, we kind of waited a little while to do it. So I don't know if you thought maybe we could have even done that sooner to get things rolling. I don't know what you guys thought. Absolutely. You always wonder why they can't do it all game, but I guess uh, even with nine guys you're playing, it's uh, you're going to wear out at some point. But uh We'll say, we'll say, you know, with the double teams on Amari, I think he's handling it pretty well. I, I think that's an area he can improve. But I thought in the William & Mary game, he passed out of it. Some, made some nice cross-court passes, uh, some no-look passes, actually, out of the out of the double team. But, it's getting yeah, better. You can see him somebody, things up. Somebody's covering you. I mean, your double cover means somebody's open. And I'm thinking too, even in that Princeton game, I mean, then their big man was eating us up. So it was kind of like, you know, can we take a page out of their book and can we take him away? Um, so no, I, I think, and, and I, do you guys feel like we're playing too many players? Do you ever get that feeling? I don't think we're playing too many players because I think everybody who we play deserves to be on the court. I do think sometimes I wish they were a little different with their rotations. You know, he likes to check people out when they're on a good run. I thought uh, Malik Martin early in the game uh, against William & Mary was, was a positive player. You know, I checked him out, and I think things went a little sideways starting there. Uh, I also think, candidly, Malik had two possessions late in the game. He forced up one shot, and they had the charge with about a, a minute to go. That were critical, poor decisions. Um, and that's – he's still new to the system, even though he's a fifth-year guy. And – he does. He's one of those guys that drives me nuts. They make a mistake on defense. He's going to try to put up a three the next time on offense. He's going to try to get to the next. You know, he's going to try to force something on offense the next trip to make up for the mistake and vice versa. And a little out of control at times. A little out of control at times. Lacks of discipline at times. I think that really they had a chance to finish that comeback. I think they had a chance to win that game if he doesn't make those two mistakes. That's a, that's a winnable game right there. Uh, if not for no, not his fault. The, the whole team dug that hole, and he was actually not a terrible player in the game. Like I said, he was, he was a strong player, I thought, in the first 10 minutes. Everybody owns a piece of this. But if he doesn't make those decisions down the stretch in critical situations, I think you've got a chance we're having a very different conversation right now. Yeah, well, in fairness, too, I think uh, another, uh, was it, Cam, you know, and again, I think he's still figuring out when do you put the head down and be aggressive and be physical and be tough. He missed a shot and he put up a really bad layup. You know, I think when we were within under two minutes, when we were within five. So it wasn't just you know, Malik and everybody's kind of figuring this out too at the end of the game. But um, well, he's you know, uh, Cam Cam's definitely the guy I want with the ball with a minute left. As much as I like Malik, uh, I think he gets brain fart sometimes. Uh, you know, he's an emotional guy, and I think he's I think he does have a, a bit of an edge. 
but I think sometimes it, it, it overcomes them. And Cam's just got, you know, they both have a lot of experience. Cam's the guy who's least likely to turn the ball over and to make a, a silly decision late in the game. I think you just keyed on it. I think Cam is the guy who won the ball in his hands because he, he's been in the system four years starting point guard. He knows where everybody is on the floor. He may give the ball to Malik, but he's going to give the ball to Malik in a situation where Malik can be successful. And that's 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 really key, and that's why he's a great point guard. But I agree on the rotations. I was thinking of a clever way to say it. Like there's there's three absolutes: death taxes, and then Trey Brown will only play with under ten minutes, like the the less than ten minute that segment at the end of the first half. And it's like I feel like yeah, it's almost like we we rotate guys just for the sake of rotating them, and not necessarily because we're trying to exploit you know anything in particular. I, that's how I feel. I don't know if you guys notice that too. And I wouldn't mind that so much, but every, you know, both Spiker and Bruce were, were big. These guys are 19, 20, 21-year-olds. They're super in shape. They can go 40 minutes. They can go. I, Spiker got in my face a couple of years ago when I talked about overusing Cam before the postseason. And he did. He ran him into the ground. It was like two years ago um, before the CA tournament. And I called, you know, I asked a question about it in the, in the CA tournament presser, and he, he absolutely tried to eat me alive for it. Okay, if he's so strong, he doesn't need to be subbed out every game at the under 10, right? I mean, it is or it isn't. You can't have it both ways. And, and I just, I, I'm with you. With you, There's certain games where you need your best player to play 40. It comes down to it. This was definitely a game they could have because uh, William & Mary played, they had nine guys, but really six of them played any minutes. So first of all, these guys are 19, 20 years old. They could play 40 minutes of basketball. But if the other team's playing 30 minutes per guy, then you got a disadvantage there. When those guys are... You're only playing six guys. That means they're playing a lot of minutes. You could match him with that. You could definitely go, you know, he's definitely the kind of guy who go 40. You know, part of why we're saying this too is we made a road trip with, what, seven guys. And I know my feeling right away was like we had what we needed. Uh, but I think one of the challenges Spiker probably has is like, as I'm thinking, you go position by position, it's a lot of inconsistencies. And it's like, you know, one guy will have a, you know, Bell will have 30 at Hofstra and then, I don't know what he had, you know, he's, he's been okay, but certainly not a 30 point player, you know, Malik down in one of the, the, um, the games over the holidays had a monster game and hasn't really had anything to that level. So I, I think uh, maybe he's still trying to figure out what he has in these guys and just trying to find the right combos too. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Bell had seven turnovers this weekend. And I think the, the points are actually fine. They were seven and 12, you know, he averaged nine points for the weekend per game and it's on not, not a, Terrible number of shots. He's not inefficient, but and he had six assists on the weekend. But the seven turnovers is, is a killer. Mm-hmm. So you know you want to see maybe he got pretty excited coming out of Hofstra, came out a little hot this weekend. Mm-hmm. Needs to go find himself again. But I'm still very confident in him, so I'm not too worried there. I, I'm confident about a lot of these kids. Though you know, I, it's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. But I was thinking a lot about T.J. Bickerstaff this morning and the effect that he would have had on you know when we were so shorthanded in the front court. And so forth and so forth. He just still doesn't fit the system great. And I think he's better off where he is, to be perfectly honest with you, for TJ Bickerstaff. And ultimately, TJ's going to be worried about TJ more than TJ's going to be worried about Drexel basketball. But, you know, obviously, would have be a different look and feel, plus just the mind games of him and Amari on the court at the same time and what that would do defensively to anybody in this conference. Just good night. Yeah. But wishing made it so. To their credit, I thought Martin and Odin have done a, a really good job this year. And we've we've done a pretty good job with it's a tough position. More been put more a lot more thought into what I think that's the hardest position to recruit at this level. Um, when you want a four who's got size, who can shoot, who can move, it's usually called a three at, at the power five, the five level, right? I mean, yeah. it's and those guys go to the power five schools. It's really a hard position to fill. You got to get somebody who can play inside or somebody who can play outside. Usually, it's tough to get both, yeah. and. Again, I think we're actually pretty well staffed at the position, but it's it's uh, you know you scratch your head on, on a game like this one a little bit. I think I think there's enough there to work on, but uh, if you guys have any last last thoughts on that game, we can we can touch on. We just you brought up Odin, and and I, I think I really think he's got a lot of upside too. I, I think I, I feel like he's trailed off a little bit though. I mean, he made it in the starting lineup. Like a, you know, I think pre the the COVID break, and now I because I feel like at that spot filling in for Okros, I think he can do a little bit more than what Okros can. I mean, he could drive, 
you know, I, you, you, I think he's got enough size to back guys down too. And, uh, you know, he's kind of wanting to be a spot up shooter in the corner. He's not really making it. And I think that's hurting him, but I, I don't know. I worry a little bit about him, you know, moving forward. And he wasn't available for the, for the half Northeastern trip, obviously. And then he played the 20 minutes against Elon. He had six points, um, two or four from the field. He had two boards, two assists, and two turnovers uh, in 20 minutes. So he's actually active in the Elon game. Looks like they liked Malik against William Mary, and he just didn't get as many minutes. Uh, and it was eight quiet minutes for him anyway. It was two, you know, over two for three in a turnover in eight minutes. So he didn't do a whole lot with the minutes he got. To your point, that was underwhelming. Uh, I, think, I think he's been good enough to earn time. But again, coming out of the COVID break, we'll see, we'll see if he can bounce back and kind of find his spot again. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Yeah. So I agree. Anything else you guys want to talk about from yesterday? And again, I want to emphasize, give William and Mary credit. I mean, I, I think I was counting that win. I think a lot of people probably were, I thought they played a good ball game. They, they, they ran it down our throat. They played with a lot of energy right out of the gate and um, you have to give them credits. It's, it's the league right now. I think someone, it was a comment I saw. So I was like, Oh, well, they were the worst team in the league. But I mean, look at the standings right now. I mean, um, you know, of course, Northeastern is fading, but um but, you know, Charleston's second. I got to feel like they'll turn things around. And um, so it's just the way of the world right now in the league. So give them credit. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Right, they, they, they beat Hofstra Northeast and Drexel. Those are well-coached teams. Those are good teams. So you, you do have to give them credit. I, I took some shots at them. And I was really taking shots at our own program saying, hey, you know, this, this William Mary team's not good. Listen, statistically, they're not good. But they, they seem to be in better form since league play started. Certainly, Dane Fisher's got something working on down there. He's he's tightening down the rotation, whatever the case might be. But they took an over out of conference. You know, they're not a great team. It's, they're not great. But I took a lot of beef from uh, some of the William Mary diehards about um, calling out our performance against the bad team, calling them a bad team because they didn't appreciate it. They're probably right about it. And uh, I know a couple of those guys actually went were in the deck yesterday. So I'm going to try to see if we can get them on the pod prior to the next time the two teams square off, which I think is uh, a little after Valentine's Day. And we can maybe talk to them about their program and give them the respect that they deserve. Because you're right, took some shots there that right now they got as many wins in conference play as the Dragons do. So time to shut up or put up, right? Yeah. I just think uh, looking forward, you know, at this point, I just want to see Drexel not finishing that bottom four or bottom three without James Madison. I think as long as you finish top six and you're playing well and you're healthy going into the, into the, into the CAA tournament, just like we saw last year, Drexel finishes six and wins the tournament. And I don't try to take each game seriously, but I'm hope, hoping this team, you know, builds on what 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 busted them yesterday. What they, they build on it, and they'll make same mistakes again. Yeah, I think as long as you avoid that playing game, ultimately that's fine. But yeah, I I, I was drive, walking out of there yesterday. They uh, autograph session, really cool. You know, kids got autographs. I really like what they're doing with that. And yeah. Wasn't too disappointed, but I woke up this morning and being like, you know what, it's it's about to be February, and you know at some point, you know I feel like we're better than our record, eight and eight, but at some point you are what your record says. Yes. So you know we can't sit around and wait for March and expect to turn it on. You like to see us turn it on a little sooner than that. So so a big week this week. So we got um, the James Madison right on. Am I right about that Thursday night? And then um, and then Saturday we go to Towson. My our home game, it's the closest trip for me, so you don't have to be on the turnpike. Hopefully it won't snow. Um, but, yeah, planning to go down for that. Looking forward to that game. So, um, Yeah, Ken Palm's got the Dragons projected 10-8 right now in conference, you know, if you if you won't straight by the numbers, which I think you would take as, it's, you know, that's probably what they look like right now. The record is what this is. But if, if you came to a Drexel fan before the season and they said that you're going to finish 10-8, fifth place, I think you'd be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unless we turn it on a tournament, but who knows? I mean, that's we'll we'll see. So, um, so now you're three and three. You're staring down. The reason why we talked about last week about this weekend being so important to win the both those games is because you had two lesser opponents. I'll say it uh, before you went on a four game road swing. You know, there's it's not crazy to think they come home three and seven. It's not crazy. You look at it's uh, at JMU at Towson pulling it up right now. Wait, <laughs> at, Wilmington's at, in there at suddenly undefeated Wilmington. Yeah, and then at Delaware, you know, those are. Tell me what the easy game is. Yeah, at JMU, a team who hates your guts right now. I mean, there's no love lost. Uh, you know, they won the championship on their floor last year. They knocked them off right before that. The coaches don't love each other. The administrations don't sound like they love each other. 
there's there's no love lost. They're going to be waiting for trucks to come in that to walk in that door. You go to Towson, which is a place that wants to push you around. You're going to do that in the back half of a weekend. Tough, tough road trip. Uh, you're going to get pushed around when you're already tired. Then you go to undefeated. You got short rest for the Wilmington trip because that's a makeup game on Monday. So you got short rest to, to the undefeated Wilmington team. And then you go to Delaware, and Delaware's got full rest because they don't have to play that Monday. You're going to go to Delaware, who's got full rest while you're coming off short rest again. On a, like, it's, it's a bad trip. This is a rough trip. Two and two would be fantastic. If you, if you were at home 500, you'd be thrilled. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong about that. I, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, Wilmington's a house of horrors, even even when Drexel's the better team. And and Delaware, certainly, I don't remember terribly many wins down there, except when Drexel was exceptionally better than Delaware. So, you know, if you look at it on the surface, you know, I don't think they'll go in four, but it's certainly a possibility. Uh, James Madison's probably the most winnable game of the whole bunch. And I think Towson's probably, you know, going to remember that close loss at the DAC. And I think that, that may be... <laughs> That may be a long, a long afternoon down in Towson. So you say, what you're saying is the next four games are going to make or break us, is what it sounds like. So keeping us out of the bottom four is, you know, you can't yeah. lose. The four. schedule gets softer after that, but sure. you got to, you know, if you if you if you survive it, you're in decent shape. But if you come home with six or seven losses, you're going to have a tough time. We're saying we're projected ten and eight. Mm. You know, you don't want to be at seven losses with seven games to play. Yeah. Because we do, so, do, we feel confident we could put it together to win. You know, if we lose five straight, are we going to be able to win five straight? I don't know. I haven't seen evidence of that. You know, we're so we'll see what happens. But yeah. um, but yeah, James, so. James Madison game is just huge. This James Madison game is on Thursday. I agree with you, Eric. It's the most winnable one. It's the first one. Go out there, prove that you're pissed off. Come out of this game. Show me something. That's a big game for me. It's a good conference. All right. So uh, we talk about the women now. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, so like I said, let me pull up here so we can go through it. So uh, women's basketball team beat Delaware today, seventy to sixty-two, and uh, so that is what eleven straight wins now. Uh, they're six and zero in conference. They're fourteen and two overall. Uh, they, they really, I, I think that the thing that that stood out to me, like I think back to last year, and actually because of our traffic issue, I didn't get a chance to look at this, but I may have pulled up now. But I think of the matchups last year with Delaware and they, they took it to us. I mean, and that's why the win in the CA championship game was so impressive because I mean, they really dominated us uh, last season. And then I was even saying, if like, let's say we, we found a way to lose today. I'd say, well, we've still really proven that we've evened things up with Delaware. Um, in fact, I'm looking now. So we lost by eight down there and it was a home and home. So we lost by eight down there and lost by 11, at home. And I don't even think the game down in Delaware was that close. I think we scrambled to get it to eight points. Um, but, um, but, but bottom line is today proved that we're, I mean, neck and neck with them right now. And really, I felt like we were the better team really from start to finish. Um, there were different parts where I was like, I don't know, we were completely going to run away with it, but I think winning by eight was about the right margin of victory. So, um, do you guys get it? You guys get a chance to watch it today and any thoughts you had about what happened? down there or yeah well philly but anyway any thoughts yet i didn't get a ton ton of opportunity to watch i got i got the fourth quarter um which was which was a great quarter to watch and, and you saw Drexler really use speed and athleticism i mean just beat him beating him up in transition there to pull away which was really fun to watch uh hannah nighthill again you talk about cam knowing where everybody is in the court hannah knows everybody where, where everybody is in all 94 feet you know she was finding people for home runs um, it was fun. It's just a fun team to watch right now. It's sunshine and roses. Uh, I know the deal beforehand. Schedule's been soft, right? At Elon, that's the first first hard one. You know, there's there's hard opponents like Delaware and Towson, which you're coming off of going two and zero, which is outstanding. I don't want to knock it, but it's different when you do it on the road. It's different, and they've got, I think, four really quality opponents in this conference with um, Delaware, Elon. Towson, JMU. I usually miss one when I do that, but I think that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and themselves, right? So it's five really good teams in this in this league right now, but four four quality opponents. They haven't played any of them on the road yet, so we're undefeated. But to me, this is the first real real test. Is this Elon game coming up? So I'm, I'm. But you have to be excited. I mean, they're they're now up to 79 in the RPI. This is all according to WarrenNolan.com. 79 in the RPI, 98 in the net. So top 100 team. Which is which is fun to have. 
they're going to be competing for postseason berth pretty much, you know, regardless, I think, unless things really come off, off the rails. And obviously this, this win streak's exciting, right? Mm-hmm. It's what, 11 in a row, 12 in a row? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, you know, and you're right. We haven't played the toughest schedule. I mean, but, it, it you know, I, I guess what I would say as far as the league wins, I mean, probably the longest trips, you know, Wilmington and Charleston, and then, you know, to pr- at least protect your home court against, you know, really what I think are going to turn out to be the two best teams. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty good 4-0. Well, it's 6-0 at this point in the conference, I think. So, um, but I just, you know, you can't say enough. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Niall. I mean, she was terrific today. Um, but it, it's interesting comparing Amy Mallon and, and Spiker and seeing them on back-to-back days. And, you know, we talked about how many players Coach Spiker plays and Amy Mallon against. She only went seven deep. Um, but you really see where she tries to attack. And like you said, we it, I think at one point we had – it was a little different lineup. I think we had Valentine, Brugler in the middle, and Leonard. And then we had – but then – so we were bigger, which helped us, you know, I think really, you know, defend the three-point line actually is how it helped, which is where they were hurting us in the first half a little bit. But then we still have, you know, Washington and Nihil who can fly out on the break. So we can be big and be small and fast at the same time. And it, it just like you watch us and you see like at, at, right before halftime, uh, they, they gave o, uh, O'Leary a break who has killed us last year because we didn't have the size that we have this year. Like bruler has been huge to have that size. And but they took O'Leary out of the game. They put a put someone in for Delaware who really didn't play the rest of the game. And we went right at her. I mean, we went, we posted her up with Brugler. I think Brugler got two baskets and. You know, I don't know when we ended up. Delaware was making a little run right before half. We got a little bit of breathing room. So I just, you know, I, I think to your point too earlier, it's like little adjustments you could make that, you know, I guess can, can get you going. And you see that coming from Amy Mallon. And not to say Coach Spiker isn't doing it, but for some reason it just really stands out in the adjustments she makes. Um, and it's just, it's just fun to watch. But, yeah. um, but I, I think, um, you know, and, and, and you know, I do encourage people to, you know, it should speak for itself now, but I, you know, I hope getting more and more people to tune in because, you know, I had a thought, you know, again, they did autographs afterwards and, you know, and I don't think this team's going to get overconfident either. I think they're going to keep playing and keep trying to get better. But I mean, this has a potential to be it. I'm telling you, we got size to go along with the guard play that we have that I, we haven't had this type of size before. And I, you know, you start, I guess maybe since Marginian, I think we've got, you know, Nihil's going to have her, should have her number retired as far as I'm concerned. And I'm going to say Washington's on that path too. That'd be a good debate to have at some point. Um, but I mean, it just, I mean, the pieces are all there. So, um, you know, I, I just hope we keep, keep it rolling. And, um, and it, yeah, I, I, I said, to, I would say what I say to Melissa, I'm like, yeah, add Elon, if we pick up that win too, um, you know, because I think we beat William and Mary, and then those kind of games too will give us an opportunity to play some other players like Satman and Borky and High Duke and those kind of people, and add to our depth, and we only get better. So um, don't we get too high and too overconfident? And I don't think they will either. I think they're going to keep trying to improve as time goes along. So, Eric, did you hear what Nate just did there? He did exactly exactly what I was worried that we would do. If you win at Elon, then you probably win at William and Mary. Do we learn nothing from this week? Do we learn nothing from this week? They should, they should, if they win at Elon, they should make them watch the men's William and Mary take going into the William and Mary game. Cause again, that's the, the Sunday back half of the weekend. It's a 7 PM Friday night in Elon. It's a two o'clock Sunday, which means there's very little time between games. You got to travel because they're not close to, to each other. The whole thing. It's not, not as easy. It looks on paper, super trap spot, just a super trap spot. If they can win at Elon. So really intrigued to see if, if it does come to fruition, if they do beat Elon, the difference in performance between, you know, if, if uh, Amy Malik can take Salas and, and find something what happened to the men so that we don't run into. Isn't it always William and Mary? The 07 team, it was William and Mary, right? I mean, it's it's always William and Mary. So, yeah, let's, let's, um, I'm not giving them that one yet, Nate. Um, but I think you're right, and I think it's fun to watch out. One thing I was curious, the one thing I was thinking is great, is that the, uh, the homecoming game today for the women was on NBC Sports Philly. So it was broadcast. Interesting, the men's was not. Um, they're probably patting themselves on the back for that. I thought it was ridiculous at the time. Uh, but how was the crowd? I heard great things about the crowd, but it didn't translate to, through flow, flow sports for me, for the men or the women, actually, for the weekend. You were both of them, Nate. What did you think about the DAC 
relative to the last few years. Yeah, uh, like you know, and Eric can come back to me too. And the DAC was the DAC pack was full on Saturday, which and I think Spiker, I read, he, well, you made a Twitter post, I think, basically saying sorry we couldn't get a win for you, and that's that's why I was like, man, yeah, you know, hopefully they were saw enough excitement, you know, with the comeback. Um, but that was that would have been a big opportunity to to get some buy in because that that whole end was completely full um, today. Yeah, I, I honestly I expected more Delaware fans. I made the comment, nobody likes a winner like Delaware fans. And they actually didn't have too many that came up. So um, that kept the attendance down. And I'm the type, actually, I'm, I'm glad if it's not packed in right now. Um, although we're, I think we're coming down off things a little bit. But um, yeah, you know, really good crowd yesterday. Not as big as I thought today, big enough. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought it was, the crowd was into it yesterday, too, despite everything that was going on early when we were losing. You feel like it's a lost opportunity because you're getting a lot of students out who usually don't go. But, you know, it's go there to be seen. It's homecoming. They show up and, you know, they, they wet the bed, unfortunately. Um, but I think they announced 1,700. That's probably legitimately, you know, probably close to that, two-thirds full. Uh but yeah, the fans were into it, especially when the press came on late in the game. Uh, it got really loud in that place, something I hadn't heard in a long time, which was really nice to see. But they they they, they just couldn't pull it out. But it's a great really? sign. I thought there there were some cool promotions that they. I saw the university was promoting on the side of buildings, you know, uh, projections, you know, uh, highlight reels and hype films and stuff throughout the week for homecoming and the whole thing. So hopefully they kind of continue this full court press and we keep getting the students out because if we can get the DAC back, man. That's gonna be special, right? That's ultimately what we're all looking to do is, is kind of create this this community. That's what this podcast is about, creating this community. And uh, it's, it was great to see. I think uh, it sounds like that they weren't just there; they were into it, which is awesome. Yeah, I just had two more two other comments about the women's game today, and I, and now two two times in a row I said I wouldn't talk about officiating, but when you win, it's easier to take about talk about officiating. Never seen as many travels called in a game. I feel like I, I mean, and it was like almost right from the start one of those games, like a memo came down. And even we were, we had the ball, the game was over. And it was like, we're, we're just letting the clock run out. And Kishana Washington is essentially standing there with the ball. And with like, I don't know, eight seconds left, the ref calls a travel. And we're, we're like, so the only thing I can think of is there's some kind of quota. Um, but I'd be curious, you know, that's what I yell at the ref. I'm like, you have a quota you had to meet. You had to get one more travel. Um, so it's um, no a lot of those refs are cops. So they might have quotas to meet. Yeah. But and I just and I, I said it's like you know you just accept the fact that this is just bad officiating and who's going to manage it better and we did ultimately so um, one other quick thing too I you know I and, and I know this is not meant to be a political statement or whatever I, I got pretty worked up because a few of the players and the you know they did the national anthem and of course the Delaware bench is closer to our end with Calvin and stuff and. Yeah, I looked at a bunch of them were just laughing and kind of screwing around, giggling. And yeah, I, I don't take my mask down often, but I pull mine down and it's kind of like zip it. And I was looking at the flag and, um, you know, just, you know, I, I'm the first guy. I, yeah, hey, you want to kneel? I, you know, to me, that's a serious thing, too. You know, you're, you're making a statement. Um, but then, and then, or stand, be quiet, you know, but screwing around in the national anthem, that, that pissed me off, to be honest. So, um, you know, I think it's a serious thing whether you're making a statement or you're you're just standing there. So I I, I was a little disappointed in that from the Delaware side, but um, but and it made it even better when when we won the game. You know, again, our and our team. You know, I the other thing I, as I'm thinking about this, yeah, you know, our women's program again are always professional, like always. You know, like like we wear our uniforms right. We don't roll our waistbands down that I see. We're not hiking our 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 shorts up to our, I don't know, that's a thing in women's basketball now. If you notice that, they don't want to hike their shorts up. We wear our uniforms right. We do things the right way. So it's just one thing after another why I love this team. And, and even the William & Mary back, it, it, the women's team has always done, they've always been that that breath of fresh air. Like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so me, not overconfident, but I expect them to go and thump uh, uh, William & Mary. And I'm not worried about them listening to this or whatever, but they always they do they they get the job done and and they do it the right way so just a lot of reasons today you're proud of them today for winning so pulling your pants uh, up it's uh it's very slimming Nate I guess I don't know um, <laughs> but yeah but um but all right so um talk to women's basketball I think we Eric you you asked a comment a question right before we got started can you uh, remind me of that and then um 
you know, talk about that a little bit. Okay. Uh, a nice little discussion point. Which would you rather have? There's no right or wrong. It's all about discussion. I don't even know if I know which right or wrong on this. Would you rather have a team that, like, you know, the 2007 or 2012 team, which were, you know, world beaters and, you know, beat some really good teams, but always disappointed in a tournament, didn't get the at-large? Or would you rather have, COVID aside, last season where, you you know, you're decent, but, you, you know, but you get really hot in a tournament, you make the tournament, and they get blown out by Illinois? You know, which would you rather have? Let's give me the tournament every day. Give me the tournament every day. It's life's life forever. And, and, you know, it crushed me not to get to go to Indianapolis last year and, and, and be participating in that experience. When we talk about, you know, the community, you know, the, the community that we can have at least, you know, going to the tournament. I've, Philadelphia hosts every once in a while, so we've had the chance to go. I've had the chance to go, and it's a special time. Certainly uh, winning the CAA tournament is a special time. You want to share it with everybody. I think that's the experience that I missed out on most. So, but you said COVID aside. So COVID aside, you know, in a normal year, that, yeah, absolutely. Because you would have 10 buses of backpacker, backpackers down there for the championship and whatever, you know, and, and, and all of us out there, you know, spending the night and um, hopefully Washington, D.C. again, right? And um, and then and then working on getting out to Indianapolis, the whole thing. It just, it's, it's, the season to me as a fan is all about the experience. It was all about going through it with, with, with my friends, right, with, with, with the people around me and, and the Drexel program. Uh, people who listen here and the people who don't, it's just – that's this is about my people, so no question for me. I would agree with you, yeah. That I think actually the twelve team won the seventeen. Um, again, the best one was, was was the best team. I think that twelve team with Damian Lee was really really good. Uh, would have won a couple games, so that's a crusher. Um, but I'm, I'm still being crushed by that, Eric. I don't want to relive it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I I agree. I I think uh, you know. I, I mean, yeah, to me, it's what it's about winning a championship. And, and, and Dan, exactly like, you know, that was, we talked about missed opportunities like yesterday to get, you know, fans of all, what would have built the deck pack more than to, you know, I, I mean, theoretically, I hope maybe we would have gone through some kind of run through February and won a bunch of games and then built that energy level up and then, and then capped it with a championship. Um, but then again, yeah, even so, I mean, it's, you know, people would have followed along. Let's say we didn't have a big run you know, people who have invested in the team and then maybe watching the, the, the tournament and seeing us win. So um, we missed an opportunity to build our fan base, but now I'm, I'm with you. Winning the title is uh, as much fun as it was. I'm, I'm thinking back to the 12 team being at old dominion because I was in a rotation at Portsmouth and got to go to the game and seeing Kent Bazemore on senior night score, like 37 points. And I'm one of the only Drexel fans there and we're beating them. It was amazing, but still, you, you think it didn't quite get where you wanted it to go. So, yeah, it's just it's just it's just, it's your cruel thing at the mid major. You play thirty one games and you throw all those games away, pretty much. Unless you talk about NCAA tournament seating, because you just you know you play all those games and at what four, and then you lose. You do a pull a bruiser and you lose the Towson, who's an eight seed. It just uh, just doesn't seem right. Um, but yeah, my my personal point of view. You know, I'm an old guy, as you can see. You know, I go back to, you know, I go back to the Michael Anderson years. And to me, the 96 team was my favorite team. That was a team that won, you know, beat Memphis State in, in the NCAA tournament. It's the most recognized team. Probably wasn't the best team. I think that honor goes to the 07 team. They just because just they beat on the road. And they should have been a tournament team. And who knows what they would have done come the NCAA tournament. Um you know, it's a different emotions. Uh, last year's team, I guess, I guess it was, it was COVID. You know, it was great to get the 25-year monkey off your back. Um, but it, it just didn't seem to have, you know, like you said, Dan, you didn't get to go to the games. Um, you just seemed to lost a little bit of the heart. And, you know, we got to take, COVID just took the heart out of it. You know, as excited as I was to see Drexel win, it just uh, just wasn't the same. But I hope we could uh, this year turn things around and uh, get that feeling back. And I think there's still a talent to do it. So I'm, I'm still excited about this team. I'm not going to let one loss to William & Mary, you know, bump in the road and happen uh, to the best teams. There's not a lot of undefeated teams out there. I don't think there's any this year. So that's okay. You know, you take the one one loss as long as you learn from it. And maybe they go out there. And, if they can go two and two, three and one on this next road trip, we'll be, talking, we'll be singing a whole different tune, right? So still excited about that. I, I You got me thinking here, Eric, that stretch in, uh, in 07 where they won at Villanova – and at Syracuse and at Temple. And actually, I thought maybe my favorite was at Creighton late in the season. 
that was special because you, you were those those games were front page of the sports section in the Enquirer. They were getting talked about. They were being talked about in my office, right? It was it was a fun time to be a fan. So I don't want to disrespect um, how good that felt or or, or uh, that team, but yeah, I'm with with Nate here. Flags fly forever. The, the older I get, it's like yeah, I, I, I've I've talked about this with some people. It's like you know, you think a championship is something you like. You spend years suffering, and then all of a sudden you break through. But I'm thinking of my my teams have won. You know, the Eagles. I, I mean, I think the year before I was like, you know, there were years away from being a champion, you know, a title contender, and boom, they won the Super Bowl. I, I follow LSU. You know, I, I can't remember what they were the year before, but Joe Burrow shows up and they put that offense together, and people talk about that being one of the greatest, uh, you know, football teams ever assembled. You know, and I mean, the Phillies kind of did that a little bit. They had a few years to kind of build up before they finally won. But I, I'm finding it's like, it, it, yeah, it, it kind of comes out of nowhere sometimes. So, and, and Drexel being the perfect example last year. Yeah, and uh, you'll note, and I'll note your hat. The Buffalo Bills are playing right now. It's not easy to win, not easy to win a championship. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. When we're talking, you know, and Eric brought finally brought me the papers from yesterday, and it's like, yeah, and, and again, it's just, and I think we all share in this. And talk, like Dan, you said, no, none of us have given up hope on this season, and I think, you know, because and again, I my thought coming out of the the, uh, the game yesterday, especially this, this morning, was, you know, at what point do we really start to worry about this team? I feel like we have a switch that we haven't flipped on, but we're running out of time. So it's like, let's get with the program because I, I think we have it in us to repeat, but you know, it, it's got to start to show up here kind of soon. But, but yeah, yeah. So between, but so it's just nice to have a team that we feel like actually has a chance that's worth watching. Um, so we didn't have that when the Eagles were winning the Super Bowl, and then pandemic hit. So was it took. Took what four years to finally get that paper, but um, but we have it here, and I'll, I'll put it in a safe place. And thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, that sat in my basement for four years. I think it was starting to turn yellow. <laughs> this is this is a, a you know it's a sliding scale to your point. Where is it? Your record is who you are versus you have potential to move up, and we're getting we're, it's sliding over towards your record is who we are. I think you know. Yeah. I don't think it's. I'm not entirely there yet, but you're getting to a path where again. Big four game road stretch. Big four game road stretch. That up. sense of urgency has to come in there if it's going to happen. So yeah, and and so and let's say it ended too. So yeah, Dan, you're wearing a Yokohama. Is that a base stars hat? <laughs> it's not. It's not. I do, I do have, uh, and you're going to have to remind me on the team. It's upstairs, but uh, I do have a Manny Ramirez Japanese baseball jersey up in my closet that I the, I the love. Kochi Fighting Dogs. And I was actually going to drive like six hours to see them, and I broke my my thumb. I was in the Japanese hospital getting surgery, so it didn't happen. But um, but yeah, who, who's the team though? Okay, but this is the Burlington Royals. This is a Kansas City, okay. um, I want to say, A ball affiliate. We um, from Burlington, North Carolina. When oh, okay. I t- when I turned thirty, my wife was moving from New Orleans. Well, my girlfriend at the time worked out. It was worth it was worth doing this uh, from New Orleans to Virginia Beach. She was moving uh, from undergrad to grad school, uh, and uh, or sorry, from grad school to. She's listening to me now. Internship, thank you. Uh, from grad school to internship. And um, she set up, because it was overlapping, the move was overlapping my, my 30th birthday. She set up a, it as a uh, birthday road swing for me. So got to see some great Drexel fans from my old roommates down to Charlotte. And we made about four or five minor league baseball stops. Um, Pensacola, Jacksonville, Burlington, Charlotte. Although we're arguing whether, whether we went to Charlotte or not. Um, and uh, over by Raleigh. So... It was it was just a fun trip. We had, we had a blast, um, and and that's that's where this this hat comes from. But yeah, the hat collection will keep popping out throughout these podcasts. I enjoy it. As uh, I don't know, hundreds of hats in the box in the basement right now because I don't have anywhere to show them. But thank you for, for bringing it up because I I enjoy them. There's a story behind each and every one of them. Yeah, um, just make sure next time uh, stop in Canapolis. They used to be the Canapolis Intimidators. There was like some Earnhardt Dale Earnhardt ownership, I think originally. They have a different name now. They're like the Cannonballers. They just rebranded themselves. But I, I stopped just to go to the store one time. We saw like a couple innings, but that's another stop for you some other time. But well, yeah, the lineup yeah. with with the schedule of who was playing at home, right? So as we were we were we had a quarter of the country we were covering, but we had to figure out who was at home and on the certain dates we were traveling through and the whole thing. So we got some we got a day game in Jackson. We saw the Suns, Jacksonville Suns. I remember that because the sunniest damn baseball game you'll ever go to. We were just getting beaten up. Uh, by the heat there, and and we saw, and this is a favorite, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, 
Um, phenomenal stadium. Phenomenal stadium. If you're ever in the Pensacola area, highly recommend. That was a great – it was uh, open for a year or two before we got there, but a great spot. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just a fun – I like – minor league baseball is great. I agree with you. Much better than – yeah, I'd rather do that than waste my money at a major league game a lot of times. So. My, my right. favorite was uh, the Macon Braves. I was down in uh, Georgia for business once. Got to go to see a game there. and I, I forget the name of the Army base that's near there. There must have been about a thousand people. I would say nine hundred of them were from the army base. The place is pretty empty, but uh, it's a good place to get a foul ball. It was fun. <laughs> I've, I've got I've got to have I don't know three four hundred professional baseball games, professional in college, and I have yet to get a foul ball. someday it will yeah. happen, and uh, I will give it to a kid. I promise. It wasn't um, hard. I just walked over and got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we before you walk us out. Nate, just one thing. Uh, we, we we do have CA makeup games tomorrow. So for anybody who's looking for something to do on a Monday night, um, they're dandies. Towson's at Delaware. Oh, That's oh, a big wow. game. That's a big, big okay. game. And um, and here's the one I'm already looking at. And I'll, I, I'm looking at ESPN's page right now. And this is not even the littlest bit surprising to me. North Carolina Wilmington is in Boston at Matthews Arena. Undefeated UNCW against winless Northeastern Huskies. This is the CAA. We know exactly what's going to happen, right? Is there anybody who who, doesn't, who thinks Wilmington wins this game? You know, Northeastern looks totally dis, in disarray. Hasn't won a game yet. Wilmington's riding high. The line, by the way, is Northeastern by three. So Vegas is already on all over us on this one. This is this oh, is uh, a, yeah. Is the Delaware game on on CBS Sports Network or is that a flow? Do you have that up? If you give me one second, I'll find out for you. Yeah, because that would be worth watching. So, um, yeah, no, thank you. I didn't realize there were games tomorrow, so I'll try to take a look. Yeah, with the, these COVID rescheduling, I mean, February is going to be busy. JMU's schedule in February is absurd. Uh, our schedule is pretty bad, but JMU's is absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, this is a, this is a home and home. They've got uh, Delaware Towson Monday, Towson at Delaware Thursday. So wow. it's a fun, fun little week for those two. Uh, it is. They're both just flow games. Just okay. flow games. The next Delaware game to be on national TV will be February third at home against the Drexel Dragons. Okay. All right. So we will be tuning in. So all right. Well, thank you for calling us in. So all right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? I think we can call it a night. Okay. So thanks for tuning in. Go Bills. I'm an Eagles fan, but one more thing in my childhood that I want to see is the Bills win a uh, Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. So, but thank you for tuning in. Have a good night. Good night.